<laughs> I was in the middle of my workout and I had to go put on the bat signal. You think you know Charlestown? <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Hello, hello. And welcome back. Uh, a bit of a hiatus. A bit of a hiatus. To it was another. good. It was, actually. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was refreshing. Um, but we're back, everyone. We're back with another episode of uh, Radio LaForce. With the lovely Bradley LaForce. And the imminable Mazinay car. All right, man. Like crazy weeks. It is. has been. We haven't been... What ra- is going on? I know, man. We haven't done a cast probably since, what, the inauguration? Was it? It's been three weeks? It's been something like that, yeah. Yeah, two or three weeks. Yeah. You tried to quit smoking. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. I did do eight days, everybody. So let's use the carrot, not the stick, and congratulate me for doing eight days. That's actually rather impressive. Yeah, That's so we'll, I'm going to try it again yeah. um, and see if I can do 15. But I think I did eight days without a single cigarette and then 12 days total, and I'd had three. So, nice. I mean, now that is all out the fucking window. I but. mean, but still, man, that's good on you for trying. Baby steps. Exactly. Baby steps. Exactly. It's a terrible habit. Don't pick it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we haven't we haven't spoken since the inauguration. I mean, that that's that is what it was. It was a beautiful little yeah. show, you know. We had to give each other the silent treatment so we could really come up with some good shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, at, least, at least a word a week. Yeah, exactly. But um, I mean, let's think about some of the crazy stuff that's happened. So Biden gets inaugurated, yeah. and poor QAnon is unfortunately proven wrong again and again and again. Poor bastards. Mm. Uh, you know, tiny violin for them. Uh, let's see. Okay, then uh, what happens next? Oh, he signs, like, all every executive, executive order known to man, which is awesome. I say go for it, reversing buddy. Reversing all this, yeah. Love it. Uh, what else happened? Uh, Trump... Nowhere to be seen. Disappears. Could not be happier about that. Go live in your little hole, bro. I don't need to hear about you. Um, The barricades are coming down from Trump Tower. Awesome. So Fifth Avenue is not going to be hopefully a nightmare soon enough. War zone. Ugh, Christ. I haven't been down there anyway. Yeah. I haven't been in town. I just have to drive through there for work. Right, right. Um, And then the markets start to go a little crazy. So, yeah, recently. Yeah, that was just like this past week. And I know we, we touched on that a little bit. Because I know next to nothing about the stocks, man. I don't invest. I'm not. I'm just not at that tax bracket, probably, uh, where it piqued my interest. But that's okay. Um, but it what did pique my interest was the real narrative behind that. So okay, walk us through that. <laughs> no, no. I'd like to hear what you. And this is not like a, a jab at, at Mads in any way. This is actually kind of a. Bring it on. I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> He's in his athleisure. He's ready. Yeah, well, yeah, we're out of bed this way. <laughs> I'm always prepared. Uh, no, I think it's actually, it, it's it's kind of important, I think. What is, um, sorry, one second. Mike is a little trapped. Uh, what is the narrative, right? So let's actually really think about that. Mm-hmm. So like I said, it's not a jab or like, hey, you're wrong. Yeah. It's more let's parse out. Um, because I think a lot of people would use that semantic statement, the real narrative. And I don't think it is a real narrative. I think there's a lot of portions to it that we should cover. So um, for curiosity's sake, you as somebody who just said that, you know, not really into the markets, different, you know, different tax bracket, you've used some, um, I think some very pertinent terms and some very common terms that people would use when we talk about the stock market or we talk about the financial markets. So tell me what is to you, the narrative um, for what has happened over the last couple of weeks. Okay, so my take on the whole thing is um, GameStop stock is, is you know, not as valuable as it once was. Just can't, you know, it's like 
the good old blockbuster kind of on its way out. True. Uh, and you have hedge funds who are looking to, you know, capitalize on that. Right. Um, and uh, I guess a subreddit page or just a group of people who really did not want to see that happen and decided to enact what I just learned was a short squeeze mm -hmm. in order to, you know, kind of hype that stock price back up mm -hmm. and take it to the man. That is a, a good essentials packet. Right, okay. Absolutely. I got the basics. That is an absolutely great essentials packet. Um, if we strip back and we just say, we know we now have all, a lot of us have learned what a short squeeze is, Yeah. Um, which is the uh, inflating of the cost of a um, stock or you know securitized item, and it forces individuals that have bet against that price raise to lose a lot of money. Right. So that yeah, that's absolutely correct. I I would not put GameStop GameStop in the same category as Blockbuster. I don't think it's a dying business model. Sure. Um, I think because a lot of video games are still coming out on DVD, they're still coming out on disc, um, and GameStop is one of the only brick and mortars where you can go and buy this stuff. Yeah. And it is um, pre-pandemic and even during the pandemic, it's a place for people who are in this kind of category who want these kind of products to gather. And sure. they're able to go there and hang out and you know talk shit and do what they do. 100%. So <clears throat> I definitely wouldn't put it directly in that category with Blockbuster. Okay. Um, I think the other thing that we should really talk about is the short. So shorting a stock um, is... For those, yeah, for those who don't know. Yeah, and I'm going to do a, a really rudimentary statement of this. So, you know... If we had commenters, they'd probably bust my balls. Uh, so the point is, is when you short a stock, what happens is, is you are betting that it is going to continue to drop and you get paid basically on the insurance that you're, you know, you're basically taking out insurance saying, I think it's going to drop to X level. Mm -hmm. If it drops to X level, you get paid in between the price it was at and the price it went down to. Gotcha. So relatively common, not necessarily a horrible thing, but it's been so deregulated that what happens is, is you have people that are, um, and let's be very clear about this. I'm going to use very specific semantics because I am not, this, this is not, um, this is not necessarily just educational. It's supposed to be a little emotional so that you have a very distinct understanding of what's going on. Uh, instead of just saying, you know, screw the rich or that, that, but definitely to impact you emotionally. So the, Hedge funds, these, what we, let's just refer them. We're not going to use the word hedge fund because it's all kinds of banking. So let's just stick with one term or two terms. There's institutional investors and there's retail investors. You and I, we are retail investors. We're gotcha. just dudes off the street. Institutional yeah. investors does not mean that you are a bank. It means that you've got a gobsmacked shit ton of money. So you've got 10 million or more in the market and you can do crazy stuff. Okay. So yeah. institutional investors, retail investors. What happens is, is institutional investors have full access to the market, okay? They are not going to be cut off unless hardcore crazy regulation comes down. They are not ever cut off from the market. They can trade from anywhere around the world. They can trade at any time, day or night. They can trade on any platform. They can do anything. And their brokers are available like a concierge service. You make the phone call, they answer. Somebody answers. You do not wait on hold, wow. okay? So now you have these individuals represented by larger institutional you know, institutions and those institutional investors will do what's called a short. So they will take a, uh, will you just use 
companies for the example right now. So they'll take GameStock and they say, well, GameStock's screwed. You Nobody can go into their brick and mortars. They're already a dying business. You know what? We think their stock is going to go down. We all know their stock is going to go down. The pandemic hit. So of course it's going to go down. So that's an obvious one. But the problem is, is because it's institutional investors that command massive amounts of money, they can short the the hundred percent total of the stock. So if GameStop has 150 million shares that are all running through the market, literally maybe two institutional investors can come in and say, Hey, broker dude, I'm going to short every single share 100%, which basically causes GameStop's shares to automatically drop. Because as soon as that information is out on the market, because yeah. the trades are, you know, they're, they're public knowledge. Mm -hmm. So as soon as trader A over at the New York Stock Exchange and trader B over at the Chicago Exchange and some guy over at the Nikkei know, oh, GameStop's getting tanked, everybody knows to get on that short bus. And I'm using that on purpose, the short bus, because they are inappropriate. They are, you know, they are taking something and putting it into a place just to keep people's, uh, just to make somebody feel different, right? That's, you know, we all use the term short bus and we know what we're referring to. Mm -hmm. It's a derogatory term for individuals that might have a mental disability. Sure. And why do we have to have that? Because we like to separate out and make sure that people know they're in a category. It's fucked up. And that's what these people do is they know, oh, well, you're in a category, you're GameStop, you're garbage, so we're gonna short you. And because they have all the money and they can make all the rules, that's what they do. So now they've shorted GameStop. GameStop's going to tank. It is going to go bankrupt. If you short 100% of their stock, which in this situation, they broke the law. They will never go to jail for it. They will never get busted for it. And the penalties are a joke. You know, they're, they're in a billion dollars. If the SEC penalizes them for doing this short sale and inappropriately because they've shorted 140% of the stock, they'll pay what? Like a million bucks. To them, that's nothing. That's just pen. That's, that's like me dropping a quarter and it falling down the you know the the like grate in a in a sewer system so i can't get the quarter back right like it sucks but i walk on so let's just be very clear about that the penalties are nothing there's nothing punitive for them sure so now they've shorted the stock <coughs> everybody knows they have so GameStop starts tanking what's happened is that because well this is my supposition because of the pandemic and because people are sitting around they actually have time to see what inequalities are out there these rules are adaptive to everybody right you anybody can short a stock anybody you can have a buck and you can short a stock you're just not going to matter mm -hmm. nobody's going to care about you as a retail investor but all of a sudden you have this large group of people on the subreddit wall street bets who are like hey let's screw the man because they're not these guys are not dumb like that there's this narrative in the press that they're greedy, they're dumb, uh, they're nerds sitting on their couches at home, blah, 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 blah. What, the Reddit what, crowd? Yeah. Okay. And this is, you know, Wall Street Journal. This is New York Times. These are people that are supposedly, um, I would say, liberal. They're not. They're 100% in the pocket of rich people. They're not liberal at all. And they're going to continue a narrative that makes sure the retail investor is seen as a um, bad thing and is derisive and um, ignorant. But the reality is you go into these subreddits and I've followed Wall Street bets for years. They are you're talking about people that are incredibly intelligent. Mm -hmm. These are guys that are the programmers making your video games. These are the guys of the programmers that are creating the hyper fast trading frameworks and networks that the hedge funds are using. These are all these people. And so they all band together and they're like, hey, wait, wait a second. If they can short them, 
then we can do that short squeeze, which means that a bunch of people come together or an in a large institutional investor comes and says, no, 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 we're not letting you short that. And they just pump the stock right back up. And what happens is, is most shorts have a time sensitive deadline. So you have said it's going to short at this point. If it doesn't short at that point, you know, it doesn't go below where you said it was going to go. Right. You have to pay interest, uh, penalties, insurance. You have some sort of payment that you have to make on that coupon, on that item that was the short. <clears throat> if unfortunately the stock goes way up, then the short is called and you have to actually pay the difference right then and there or pay an obscenely exorbitant insurance basically saying, well, well it was just a spike. It's just a spike, so I'll cover my loss. I'll pay for insurance so that I can continue to hold my short position, and then eventually it'll tank. And this is what they were trying, the Reddit groups were trying to do. They were trying to stop. Yeah, they were trying to force them to have to sell and take million, almost billions in losses because they were shorting the stock. Because they're paying. If they say it's going to go down to 2 bucks, yeah, and it's at $300, they are paying the difference there. Got and it. if they're shorting 100% of the, the stocks, let's say they own 30% of the shorts, and they're saying it's going to go to two bucks. They're paying the difference between two bucks and I think it hit 500 something. Mm. And if it gets that if it, and it can get called at end of market. So literally it's hit 500. Your, you know, your other, your broker calls you and is like, Hey buddy, you've got a short at two bucks and it's at 500. You now owe me $1.9 billion and you have to pay by 5 30 PM today. I need a wire transfer. And it's not a joke. Like you have to pay that. Mm -hmm. There's no walking around it. So a lot of these places had to sell their positions and then cover their losses Wow, where it got murky and not murky, where it got absolutely illegal and completely inappropriate was that the instant, the institutional investors literally got on the phone with the sec, with the exchanges, with the white house. And we're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We can't let retail investors do this in the market. It's inappropriate. Hold on a second. <laughs> That's what Wall Street has been doing for decades. Once Clinton dropped Glass-Steagall, he made it el there was eligibility for major manipulation of the markets way beyond what it was before. And they manipulate markets constantly. They pump and dump stocks constantly. They do everything constantly. But because it turned into retail investors, little little dudes with a couple of bucks here and there, mm -hmm. all banded together, that's wrong. And so what did they do? They froze the possibility of purchasing the asset. Uh, then they decided, oh, wait, wait, we won't freeze everything. We'll freeze only the possibility of purchase, but you can still sell it. They literally re-manipulated the market to make sure that they could try to scare the retail investor into selling their position to cover their losses. Wow. Beyond that. And this is what, this is with like via Robin Hood, these apps. Yeah, but this is, no, no, Robin Hood is just the, the, the symptom. Robin Hood was literally owned by Melvin Capital. Melvin Capital has a stake in one of the companies that took GameStop hard. Robin Hood is the epitome of what is wrong with institutional or with, with retail investment platforms. They're not actually there to help the little guy. They are just hoping to take money from the little guy's pocket. They're absolutely hoping to do that. The problem is that they're under this impression. It's just like when you have a conversation uh, in a group and people refer to the Midwest and start talking about them, how they're you know ignorant or stupid and the coasts are smart. That's a lie. Most of the people in the Midwest are, you know, you have people that are, 
my my, uh, favorite is their agricultural. You're talking about farmers who literally have to understand weather patterns. They have to understand crop patterns. They have to understand uh, soil. They have to understand the short market and commodities market. They have to fix their tractors. They they have to be metallurgists. They have to know all that. You telling me that's that's guy's stupid? The fuck out of here. You're just an elitist prick. So now we have these finance guys who are elitist pricks going, whoa, 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 whoa. Those people are bastards. These retail investors are bastards. We got to stop them from basically doing exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. And so Robinhood, which is one of the most prolific platforms, literally froze all purchase and sale. And then they're like, wait, wait, oh, no, never mind. Let them sell it. Mm-hmm. And so they let them sell it. So it was riding high at 500. And I bet you anything that would have gone up to 1,000. But they froze it because they were like, oh, this is over. You know, this is an inflated uh, value. How can it be? It's an inflated value. They're not worth that much. Yo, Tesla's not worth that much. Tesla is super overinflated. Apple is super overinflated. Apple is a tiny little ridiculous hardware manufacturer that is part of a massive institutional investment. Okay, Brayburn Capital has hundreds of billions of dollars in liquid assets, and then they happen to make computers. They are completely overvalued. Berkshire Hathaway is at $300,000 a share for their Series A. They are completely overvalued. They don't do anything. They literally just fuddle with money. Okay, let's just be very clear here. Sure. <laughs> like all these individuals, Jamie Dimon, um, uh, uh, Warren Buffett, all these guys, they are overvalued. They're not worth the money they have in any way, <laughs> period. So this idea that GameStop was inflated by ignorant individuals to make it worth more than its value is a lie. Pure and simple. Mm -hmm. All these corporations out there are way overvalued. Apple might be worth, let's say, 100 bill. Like maybe. Tesla, maybe 80 billion. They're not worth anything. Like Mm -hmm. get the hell out of here. They're not. And I'm sorry, Warren Buffett, yes, you are a brilliant man when it comes to the market, but who gives a shit? The market is literally just gambling in about 90% of it. And then you have stable stuff like the Vanguard, you have S&P 500, you have stuff that's super long-term, super stable. Stick your money in, don't touch it. Fine. But all these companies are literally just pumping up value in ridiculous stuff in stocks and ridiculous companies and then making a pile of money on it. And the rest of us are just sitting around because we're working our jobs, trying to stay alive, trying to finish. And then the pandemic hits. And now all of a sudden you lose your job. You get some garbage $1,200 stimulus check. And now all of a sudden the information that has been around you that you've been kind of ignoring because you're just watching, you know, hot girls on Instagram and going out and drinking with your buddies and playing video games. Now all of a sudden half of that gets taken away from you. What do you do? Now you start paying attention. Okay, well, how can I make money? Mm-hmm. I literally can't work. So money has to make me money. Now you have these people that have just a couple of bucks left over, or they're literally taking out you know, mortgages on their house just to figure out how to make money. And they're smart. Yeah. And they band together. And it's not necessarily that they band together. It's not a herd mentality. I was thinking about this, and we were talking about it earlier. It's not herd mentality. One guy does it, and everybody follows him. It's more like a flock of birds. So a flock of birds actually turns in unison, and it's called a murmuration. So it's not one guy leads, and then everybody else just falls off the cliff. It literally is in a concerted group of individuals who almost act in unison, and they are not following a single leader. They are just all uh changing direction or following course at the exact same moment. And what we're seeing right now is the fact that 
institutional investors are stronger. Uh, they are definitely better funded. It's just on such a small scale that people don't think about it once it all coalesce, coalesces together. But you're talking about if you have 200 million people around the planet, even if they only have you know, four or five bucks around a few of them, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. All you have to do is throw a couple of millionaires in the mix, a couple of guys that have maybe tens of millions, and you're talking about a trillion dollars that could just jam into the market at once. And if you have a murmuration where literally it's just everybody's following, it's not that there is one person leading. You are talking about a group of individuals that can shut down markets. They can pump in stocks. They can do anything they want. And everybody can come out smelling like roses because it's not just one guy and everybody herd mentality after him. They can actually now coordinate. Okay, now we're going to start selling off so everybody can make a little bit of cheese. Okay, now we're going to pump right back in so everybody stays stable because we don't want anybody to lose. This is the mentality of the retail investor through murmuration because the mentality of the institutional investor is not that. It's let's get all that retail money and then we're just going to dump the stock and screw those little guys. They don't matter at all. They Fuck them. We'll get out in time. They'll lose all their money. The murmuration gives us the ability, the retail ability to actually create equality and equity for everybody because we can take the stocks that we want, we can take the markets that we want, and we can keep them at the level we need so that everybody can make some scratch and then we can drop them as necessary. And if somebody oversteps in the, retail, in the institutional market, we can hit them. We can literally punitively crush them because the only thing that hurts them is their wallet. And we have enough money collectively to make them hurt, which was shown by GameStop. Right, right. So I think that this might be the first time in history that A, retail investors realize how much power they have. B, equitability and equality might actually be at our fingertips. And C, it might be the first time that a positive thing is about to change the entire world. It's not going to be a disaster that makes people better or makes us stronger or pushes forward technology it might actually be equality where you can actually have a major transfer of wealth instead of it having to come with guns and knives we can just do it through murmuration where we're like no 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 we don't need you to have a billion dollars anymore sir we're going to take that and we're so nice that we're going to let you keep 50 mil we can do that. Literally, the retail investor is in the point right now where we can truly act like a corporation, look at the responsibilities and rules that are on the books, follow them to the letter so that we are not breaking any rules, we are not creating fraudulent systems, we are creating real equitability and real equality, but we're just taking each institution that we look at that has all this money and saying, meh, we're going to really value you. We're going to put the value on you. We're not going to wait for Moody's. We're not going to wait for Standards and Poor. We're not going to wait for PwC. We're going to make the, the standard. We're going to make the call on what your real valuation is. And you can do it. You could absolutely do it. And if you actually incorporated individuals that were the working, uh, the actual people working, you could take somebody like Walmart, uh, Amazon, whoever, and be like, okay, if we can get 20% of their staff to do a 48-hour sick call in, and we're going to short them all. You could tank Walmart in 72 hours. The The federal government would have to step in and just be like, oh, shit. What would be the benefit <laughs> of that? Better working hours, uh, more money for them as employees, okay. uh, better retirement systems, an actual 401k, all kinds of stuff. The fact that the investors currently are institutional, right? They own all the stocks. They don't need the money. They're just chilling, 
they, you know, it, it, they're, they're on their third boat, their fifth house, their third wife, right. their second mistress. If you actually transfer that wealth and that stock to the retail investor, the individual who's like, yo, I just got out of my 40 hour day work week at the you know station where I'm a mechanic and I'm, I make a bunch of money cause I'm good. I make a hundred plus a year cause I'm a diesel mechanic and I do super specialized stuff. And all of a sudden he's the one who's buying into Amazon because he's the one that actually orders regularly. And he mm-hmm. puts say 20, 20, 30% of his check into Amazon stuff, food, gro- you know, uh, groceries, um, you know, workwear, tools, etc. It Re- behooves reward them with stock. It behooves. Yeah. Well not reward For them sure. with stock, but it, then their the stock gets valued better because now you're not just paying some prick who's sitting on his couch, making literally 2 million bucks in 20 minutes. You're rewarding him. And so you don't have to have this conflation of stock value. You can say, oh, Amazon's actually not worth that much. It's not worth that much because you don't have to support five fucking houses and three boats and two mistresses. Mm. You're just supporting a diesel mechanic with two kids, a wife, and, you know, 100000 in school debt. He doesn't need to make 40 million bucks. He might be super stoked making an extra 50 grand over the course of the next two years. And he should totally have the right to make a couple million over the course of the next two years. So if you start that wealth transfer where the retail investors, the little retail investors actually go in and say, you know what, Uh, we're over the hedge funds because they're just gobbling up cash. We're over the banks just gobbling up cash. We're we're done. You're no longer worth that much money. The wealth transfer will be almost immediate. And the great thing is, is they either have to admit it's an oligarchic system and they're shutting down the retail investors ability to invest and that uh, rich people are just convincing middle-class people to keep poor people poor, or they have to let it happen. Hmm. (laughs) Literally, because it's now such a globalized economy. There's no safe place for them to transfer. What are they going to do? You know, if Warren Buffett, let's just use him because he's a well-known name. So I'm not trying to lambast him or call him out specifically. I'm just using him because he's a well-known name. So if Warren Buffett and uh, Berkshire Hathaway are trying to escape that transfer of wealth and like, oh, we'll just move to the Nikkei. Oh, we'll just move to hard asset. Whatever it is, the retail investor's capital is stronger and it's global. So they move to the Nikkei, which is the Japanese exchange. Fine. Then all the investors here can move to the Nikkei and do the same thing there. They want to move to the Shanghai exchange. Done. They want to buy nothing but gold. Fine. We can short gold. We can short Rio Tinto or Anglo Gold. We can literally chase them around the world and just keep swallowing it, keep taking all their money. And it's finally the point in time where if you have murmuration, you continue to have that thing. Nobody gets left out. That's the great thing of murmuration. Those flocks, you see those birds move. It's not like one guy's like, oh, shit, I'm out. You know, that's like the exception to the rule. That one bird that's like, nah, I got to go take a poo. But everybody else is still in that flock, is still making that money, is still finding equilibrium and equality and and equity Mm -hmm. in the situation. And GameStop, I think, is a perfect example. If if it actually is murmuration, GameStop stock is not going to drop below 145, maybe 200, and it'll sit there literally till the end of the year. I was say, since, since this whole situation, like what's, what's it look like now? I think it's at 312 or something. I hope it shoots up to like four or 500 and then sits there stable f- until the end of the quarter. Let them have their quarterly and quarterly report go in, but just keep taking the actual stock, keep taking it and let, and you know, and if it's murmuration, then do exactly what you should do. Pump it, dump it, pump it dump it and just keep costing the guys who try to short it that money. The problem is, and this is the part that we have to be really aware of, you're using their platforms. 
Robin Hood, Acorns, all these are owned by institutional investors. Your information, your trades is being sold to hedge funds. Your information, your trades is being sold to banks and other institutional so investors. What, what, so what does that mean? It like, means that it has to be murmuration. It means mm -hmm. that our flock, the retail investor, is moving all in unison. So no matter how much information they have, we're just always a step ahead and we can create that equality until we run enough of them out of money that they, or sorry, we create enough of uh, a situation of equality that they have to either admit that it's oligarchy and we're going to keep an iron fist on you. Or they're like, okay, never mind, guys. You know what? <laughs> it's, we finally are all going to admit this is just straight gambling and let the chips fall where they may. And the rich guys and the poor guys finally have the same level of understanding and the same level of risk because you you might get you might get screwed in your short position you might get screwed in your long position we don't know but it's everybody mm. and it'll be more equitable where it's not you don't have a group that has so much strength able to just be just viciously greedy and let things just burn to the ground because at any moment if the retail group is doing that murmuration they're able to be like oh they're trying to tank that nope prop it up you don't get to do that we're not letting you do that even if it's a bad idea even if it is a bad and short-term idea, it might be a long-term excellent idea. GameStop might should maybe it should go you know bankrupt, you know Section 13 or 11 or whatever it is. Maybe it should, but the reality is it doesn't have to, mm -hmm. and it's still providing a service. It's still a uh, a stable, maybe shrinking but stable business model. And the fact that a bunch of billionaires are like, ha ha, let's make some quick cash, mm -hmm. is horrible. I see. So that's like, you know, I guess what, you know, the real takeaway of this whole incident was just that, you know, to see the see you know, the community, the retail investors come together and actually like coordinate that to me. Act like a corporation. So, okay, I, I understand. <laughs> and that's, that's, I guess, probably the biggest successful point of this whole thing. It is. I think that, you know, people are finally starting to realize, I think it has become so blatantly obvious it, you have to either lie to yourself or completely turn away to not see that there are two, it's not class. It's mm -hmm. just, it, there are truly two levels. Like it doesn't, class doesn't even come into it. it mm -hmm. It's just insane, the disparity, the gap between <clears throat> the wealthy. And I do mean wealthy. Like 10, unfortunately, $10 million is not wealthy anymore. We're talking 100 million, 200 million, billion. That's wealth. There is, the gap is so wide now. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are finally realizing, wow, there is a, it is not just a set of laws and it is not just a set of rules. It's not, you can buy a better lawyer. It truly is pay to play. If you don't have billions, just get the hell out. We're going to shoot you. We don't care about you. It's not essential workers. It's essential work. And the minute you get COVID or die, we don't care. We'll just throw somebody else in your position to do that essential work. But there is no such thing as an essential worker for the billionaires. They don't care. And the ultra wealthy, they do not care. There is only essential work. And anything, anyone who fills that position is just there as a placeholder. Mm. And they don't care. You could die in front of them and they're going to be like, well, where's my food? So people are finally starting to recognize that. So I've, I've said forever in our, one of our first podcasts, we we're talking about act like a corporation. Corporations have the rights. 
they even if you're poor, even if you're a little tiny crappy corporation, you still have a lot more rights. You can do crazy stuff as a corporation because guess what? There's a corporate veil and you're considered an entity, a human basically. So you can not pay your rent. And as long as it's under your corporate umbrella, they can't come after you personally. As long as you have a very clear bifurcation between the individual owners and the corporate entity, you can pay your lawyers just to fight them in court as long as you want. And guess what? The lawyers are going to be cheaper. Totally legal. You want to de declare bankruptcy as a person? Way, way more difficult. You want to yeah. do a chapter 11 re reorg or a chapter 13 for a corporation? 48 hours. You want to start a bank. You want to start a bank in the U.S. You can do it in under 90 days. I will not get into that right now because that's a much more complex subject. Issue, yeah. But just realize that. You can start a bank in 90 days in the U.S. And I wish we had a lot of commenters who could talk shit and say things in the in the comments, and I would welcome you. But I'm just letting you know I've done it. It's happened. So you can do it, and you can do it today. And it doesn't take a lot of money. You can do it. And then you are in a whole nother realm of fuck you. <laughs> wow, man. Well, thanks for that. I mean... Speaking of comments, guys, let us know what you think of this. I mean, I, I honestly do always find it fascinating sitting with you and talking about this stuff. That was stuff. a little bit of a rant. Sorry, guys. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's, well, how else are we going to, I mean, you really answered, you've been thinking about this, that's for sure, because I was, you know, for you, answered, years. you answered a couple of questions before I even got the question out. So it's, it's great, and I'm glad, because I, you know, again, uh, you see these things on the headlines, and, and for a guy, at least in my position, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of you guys <laughs> out there as well, it's just like, uh, you know, how much attention you know, do we really pay to these things? But, you know, it's it's really refreshing to hear your point, to hear it so concise and kind of put together like that because, yeah, I mean, I know a little bit more now than I did, that's for sure. I think the three things I would really, like, and I'm not kidding, I, I'm like a red-hot poker in the back of your mind, just the most important things to remember. It's not that the press is bad, evil, or wrong. You have to address the baseline of their argument. You, you have to look at the systemic reason they're using the words that they're using the cadence the syntax the semantics that they're using it's so important you know wall street we know is greedy that is just a very basic truth right they absorb a lot of money and compared to the amount of money they absorb they employ a hundredth of what other companies would employ so there's a baseline there but when they start referring to retail investors as greedy or uh, ignorant. They are specifically using those words and they don't even know it. They are not doing this willfully. It's just part of the baseline of, thi of, of information. Mm -hmm. uh, men, in, men and women, but it's a misogynistic society, so let's just admit it. Men in banking are obviously smarter. That is not true. Men who went to Yale are obviously smarter. That is 100% not true. But these are baselines that are in inculcated into us from forever from literally since 600 years ago and as we go forward sure. <clears throat> so now we just have a, it, it's a misinformation coming from a place of ignorance and it's their ignorance of really admitting the baseline so when you are reading the headlines it behooves you to dig down not from a place of partisan ideals uh, or trying to yell at the media but of uh, imperial uh, um, empirical 
you know, just look at it. How do I look at this information that's being given to me? And I make sure that I'm not coming to a conclusion that has been fed to me. Right. And so it, I think that's the most important, no matter where the news source is, when you start talking about equality and you start talking about these market situations, really diving into why that's the baseline. Why are we talking about it from a position of <clears throat> wealth inequality and they're bastards and we're not? Because it's all us. Even if you're rich and you are a bastard, it's just us. So how can you create equity and equality? So it might hurt that billionaire. It might hurt him a lot. But unfortunately, that's just equality. You don't you know, you haven't done well with your billions. We're going to take it. And that is equality. We're not trying to punish him. We're not trying to hurt him. It just isn't the inevitability side, uh, uh, side effect and byproduct of equality in the system. And if you start thinking about that way, you start to realize, okay, well, he got to enjoy for 50 years of his life or 20 years of his life, yachts and you know, no problem with bills and all this stuff. And the equality is that we're not bringing him to poor. We're just bringing him back to normal. He gets yeah. to have a house, two houses, and a couple of cars. That's insane. Like, that's normal only in the U.S. Yeah. So I just pay attention to the news and be very, not critical, but just, you know, look at it empirically. Try to look at it scientifically. Why are they saying it that way? And then how can you create equality in the system around you and hopefully in the greater global system? Thanks, man. Really Thank you. It. Absolutely. And um, I, again, guys, let us know what you think. I mean, we'd love to hear your comments and concerns, questions. Um, and yeah, and I mean, stick around next time. And Brad is going to tell us how to start a bank in 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I 100% will. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready. And if anybody wants to get in on it, let me know. It's a very low, technically low barrier to entry because we're talking about literally starting a bank, like credit cards, mortgage payments, all that crap. So Radio next La week Force should be Bank, yeah. yeah Radio La Force Bank. Here we we do that, and let's do some. We'll talk crypto next time. Done. All right. Done. All right. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao guys.